Welcome to the Smeichel Speaks podcast channel. I'm Joanne Smeichel, and I'm delighted that you tuned in for relevant leadership learning that will help you continue to soar. Enjoy this episode. This podcast, Leading the Seven Dwarves, is a bit different from what you're used to hearing from me. Many years ago, a client asked me to develop an unusual keynote for leaders who were struggling to move the organization forward. And this is what I came up with. First things first, do you remember Snow White? Don't confuse her with Cinderella and her lost shoe or Little Red Riding Hood with the wolf chasing her or that Rapunzel with the long hair. Snow is the chick that all single girls admire. She has seven men, count them, seven, following her around and doing her bidding. Remember her men? Doc, bashful, dopey, grumpy, happy, sleepy, sneezy. Those were the men in her posse. Now, you may not believe this, but I actually got a letter from Snow White. It came to my house, registered mail, early on a Wednesday morning. I mean, I had to sign for it and everything. I'm going to share that private correspondence with you right now. So here is the letter. Dear Joe, I hear you think life turned out pretty well for me. You heard that I ran off with a handsome prince who rescued me so that I could live happily ever after. As much as I hate to burst your bubble and end your fantasy, I need to tell you what really happened. Now, let me tell you, I got nervous as soon as I read that paragraph. My fantasy was about to be over. But let me read on for you. She said, Before I set the record straight on my staff, and yes, Joe, they were my staff, not a group of love-struck followers. These guys, the seven dwarves, they were a lot of trouble to lead. I also have to tell you that this thing with the prince resulted because he and I had the urge to merge. So we combined our corporate holdings and created a conglomerate, minus my staff of the seven. Now, I went into this thinking that a merger was a great thing to do, but because he had more holdings, it really became a glorified acquisition. So you see, Joe, I did not get rescued by the prince. I entered into a merger for purely selfish reasons, and my company was ultimately acquired. Ugh, that revelation made me so sad. But it didn't end there. Her letter went on to say, What led to this sad turn of events? Why did my company struggle so much? The dwarves, Joe, it was the dwarves. I read all of the leadership literature, but nothing prepared me for dealing with these guys. And they were my senior leadership team. So you know I was in big trouble. Let's start with Sleepy and Sneezy. They ran the two largest divisions. 
we spent thousands, and I mean thousands of dollars, sending Sleepy to conferences, but he spent all his time hung over in his hotel room. That jerk slept through everything except the cocktail parties. He didn't think a senior executive like him needed to worry about learning new concepts. After all, he'd risen through the ranks and he was standing on the top. Do I need to tell you that his direct reports never had time for learning either? They were too busy, to this, to that. All the while, we were losing our competitive edge. Now, if you think Sleepy was a pain, you should have worked with Sneezy. He never made it to the VP level, but he was a division director. That was a promotion I inherited from the last fairy princess who tried to run this joint. She promoted Sneezy because of his political connections. He was great at schmoozing with regulators, financiers, and politicians. But Joe, let me tell you, when it wasn't his allergies to dust, pollen, and dander, it was his allergy to hard work that kept him sneezing and wheezing. I finally figured out his greatest allergy was to work. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I got to tell you, I thought my hero fairy princess Snow White would have at least known the basics about leading. She may have had some success with Sleepy and Sneezy if she had performance management systems. She needed to hold those jerks accountable. And if coaching them didn't work, out the door. We cannot have bad apples in the C-suite. I know, I know. You want to hear more from her, not from me. Well, she continued by saying, Now, please don't think I ran a talent-poor company. I was lucky to have Doc on my team. He was a VP who ran a sizable, financially successful business unit. He was bright, he was energetic, and he was a technical whiz. Doc worked hard with his staff. People liked him. I respected Doc. But he got swiped by a competitor. They made him an offer he couldn't refuse. I was devastated by his departure, just devastated. When he left, he told me that he really liked work at our company, but that the negative, stressful environment that his peers created had taken a toll on him. I just have to stop here with this letter. Poor Snow. She really didn't understand the importance of measuring organizational climate. That would have given her some insights on the toxicity that hastened Doc's departure. It also would have helped her establish behavioral norms for the executives and for everyone else. But let's get back to her account in the letter. Let me just get back to that letter. Doc's departure was a major, major, major blow. But I still had happy. He worked as hard as Doc. He was smart and he was sincere. He was Doc's second in command. And to that, Happy had a great disposition. When Doc left, I promoted him. Things were going really well. Happy was great at building bridges throughout the company. He knew how to work with everyone. Not only did people like Happy, They respected him as much as they respected Doc. But because he and Doc had worked so well for so many years, Doc's new company made Happy an offer 
and he left. But Happy left with a great big smile. I don't need to tell you, I wasn't smiling. I wish that Snow could have kept happy. He was the leader who was so good at encouraging hearts and minds throughout the organization. He recognized effort. He recognized success. He made it a point to acknowledge everyone's contributions. He coached. He stimulated intellectual curiosity. Happy made sure that they had a culture of celebration and recognition, but couldn't do it all on his own. Let me get back to this letter and stop with my little editorial comments. Let me just get back to this. So here's what Snow said. She said, The day that Happy left, I wound up having a meeting with Dopey and Bashful. Those meetings were always painful for me. Bashful would say nothing, though I always suspected that he had good ideas. He just had such a hard time opening up and sharing his knowledge. That meant that Dopey took over the entire meeting. That always annoyed me because Dopey was dumb as a clam. His brains had gone on the lamb. He was always getting us in a jam, but then he'd scram. That Dopey always had lots to say. He just loved the sound of his own voice. And poor Bashful would just sit there patiently waiting for Dopey to come up for air. Then Bashful would quietly make a sensible suggestion, which Dopey never heard because his own stupidity was deafening. By now, as I kept reading this letter, it was evident to me that Snow was really missing a lot of leadership fundamentals. Where were the norms for her meetings? How about her influence with Dopey and Bashful? She should have remembered that leadership influence starts on the one-on-one level with our direct reports. That's when we can have influence in the larger organization. But I said I was going to stop interjecting my thoughts. Let me just get back to Snow's letter. But I got to tell you, she really shocked me with this next part. She said, This is the same day I met the prince. By the way, Joe, he really wasn't that handsome or that charming. But he was rich and our companies were complimentary. So when he offered the merger, which would take me away from all of this leadership stress, I considered it. I didn't say yes right away. In fact, I went to work the next day thinking I could still salvage my company. I still had some optimism and some hope. But that next morning, as soon as I walked in the door, I was greeted by Grumpy. As usual, he was just miserable. His shipments hadn't reached the Enchanted Forest and we were being charged some hefty penalties. Even after his morning coffee, he was still complaining. Grumpy ran the distribution center, which, by the way, had the highest turnover in the company. Of course, that had nothing at all to do with his leadership. It was always the employees. Yeah, right. Happy was my shining example of a positive attitude. Grumpy is the reason for so much workplace violence. I wanted to kill him myself. 
which leads to the reason that I accepted the prince's merger offer. Grumpy stormed into my office that afternoon, yelling about the problem with the shipment and the problems with his less-than-productive staff. This was just not the day for one of his tantrums. I got up from my desk and I reached for the pistol that my predecessor princess had left in the file cabinet. When I pulled out that pearl-handled thirty-eight, Grumpy got real quiet, real quiet. I guess I got his attention. Fortunately for him, my admin came in and took the pistol from me. I came to my senses, I called the prince, and I said yes to the merger. So, Joe, I hate to kill the fantasy, but that little story that's been circulating, the one you've believed your whole life, it was a tall tale. I merged with a rich man and let his leadership team deal with the fallout from the seven dwarves. I know, I know. As CEO, I should have worked with that motley crew, but I was weary. Now, I want you to share this story with leaders who have similar troubles. My prince has a single brother who's big in textiles, Perhaps there'll be another merger on the horizon. Sincerely, Snow White, writing to you from a sandy beach in Jamaica. This letter was traumatic for me. She ruined my fantasy about the life of a princess leader. We're going to take a couple of minutes to consider the lessons that my girl Snow White needed to know. I already mentioned the fact that she needed a performance management system for those dwarves. How can you manage human capital without a clear, comprehensive plan? The plan should include performance measures, education, developmental goals, expectations of performance and outcomes. All of that is supported by consistent coaching. That poor Snow White, she missed the boat on that. Now, I don't have any hard evidence of this, but I bet, now I just bet you, that Snow wasn't so good at discussing organizational culture and creating alignment between leadership behavior and the core values of the organization. And I'm also assuming that they did not have well-articulated core values and a mission that served as a mandate for all leaders. I bet you Snow White never looked into the internal politics at the senior level and how those politics impacted the entire organization. I don't know if she really thought about how she and the other leaders were exercising their influence. Were they using their powers for good? Did they keep their heads stuck in the sand? I don't know how much emotional intelligence Snow really had. I do know that she would have benefited from being self-aware and using a little self-management to quell that impulse to pull her pistol. You know, she could have gone to jail if she'd shot him. Now that would have been a horrible ending to her tale. On a little bit more serious note, most leaders have docs, bashfuls, dopies, grumpies, happies, sleepies, and sneezies. 
Dealing with them requires a whole bunch of skill. It requires patience and it requires intestinal fortitude. There are five C's that will help you contend with those characters in your organization. The first C is comedy. You can't take it all too seriously. You got to keep your sense of humor. Some of the things that people do are truly, truly laughable if you look back. The second C is collusion. Are you colluding in the dysfunction? If you practice avoidance, turn a blind eye, or put your head in the sand, you're colluding. I want you to do a reality check on your willingness to address dysfunctional behavior. Not addressing it is a sign of your own dysfunction. The third C is collaboration. Build a team of people who are committed to organizational health, to strategy, to outcomes, and performance. Make sure you've got the right players on your team. Make sure you share an understanding of strategy, goals, and the paths that enable you to move forward. The fourth C is commitment. This begs the question of how committed are you to the work of the organization? If you're asleep at the wheel or retired on the job, your lack of a deep commitment is evident to everyone except you. Commitment goes deeper. What's your commitment to the people who make the work happen? Think seriously how you can make that commitment evident. The fifth C is chaos. In this age of almost overwhelming rapid change, you better get comfortable with a little chaos. Remember, you'll eventually be able to help the organization return to a state of calm. However, there are undeniable periods of chaos and you've got to be able to take a deep breath and deal with it. So this ends the real story of Snow and the Seven. I know it was hard to hear what she had to say. I know how much it upset me. The moral of her story is that leading the seven dwarves is tougher than we ever thought, but we can't give up. The five C's and a little emotional intelligence will take you a long, long way. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope that you got tools that you'll actually use and share. Subscribe to get more relevant leadership learning. Check out my YouTube channel to stay prepared for leading in an ever-evolving world. Thank you.